This is Faster, a podcast by Flow Cycling. In each episode, we interview industry experts to educate you, challenge you, and even change the way you train so you become faster. Overinflating your tires may seem like a trivial issue, but today we know that for every one PSI you overinflate your tires, you lose roughly one watt to rolling resistance. We also know that most standard floor pumps are only accurate to about plus or minus 9 PSI, which means that a cyclist with a 200 watt FTP could be giving up close to 5% of their power to an inaccurate pump. It's why we created a new product called the Flow Air Gauge. This episode discusses the Flow Air Gauge and how it came to be. Learn more about the Flow Air Gauge and setting accurate tire pressures so you can become faster. When we're not creating this podcast, we're working on other ways to make you faster. At Flow, We design and manufacture some of the world's fastest cycling wheels that we sell consumer direct to keep more money in your pockets. As a special thank you for listening to Faster, we wanted to offer you 20% off your next purchase. Simply use coupon code PODCAST in all capital letters at checkout. Your purchase will also support our Give Back initiatives. 1% of all sales supports our Bike for a Kid program, where we provide bikes and helmets for kids in need. We also plant one tree for every wheel we ship as a thank you to our planet. Enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to Faster. Uh, Today's an exciting day. Uh, We're releasing a new product called the Flow Air Gauge. And this episode is going to be a special episode. We're going to talk about its development, its history, how it came to be, some of the challenges, and a number of things that we overcame to get this product out and released to the market. Um, What is the Flow Air Gauge? I guess that's that's the first question. You know, the flow air gauge, what it is, is it's something that we're calling a modular inflation product, which means that it can be attached to any pump, could be a floor pump, could be a mini pump. And we are giving you an extremely accurate gauge uh, that is going to allow you to set a very accurate tire pressure. And you may be wondering why, why does this even matter? Uh, The truth is, is that if you are overinflated on a tire, for every one PSI that you're overinflated, you're going to lose about one watt. Uh, due to rolling resistance. And if you look at a standard floor pump and a gauge that's on the market, those gauges are really accurate to probably about, you know, plus or minus nine PSI, which is a huge difference. So if you were going to set your tire pressure at say 80 PSI, you know, you would see uh, potentially on the gauge all the way up to 89 or all the way down to 71. And if you have that much of a swing, uh, you're just setting yourself up for a lot of loss and a potential like I say, nine, nine watts of losses, just even knowing what your, your accurate tire pressure is, you may not have it. So considering an athlete, maybe you have a 200 watt FTP and you're getting up to that nine watts, you're getting close to four and a half percent of a loss just because your tire pressure is too high and you have really no way to have an accurate set of eyes on that. And that's what this product is all about. So let's, let's back it up a little bit. I've been doing R&D in this space for probably about 10 years. We, you know, we started aerodynamics. I've done a lot of stuff in wind tunnels. Uh, and one of the things that we wanted to study years ago was how do you uh, measure aerodynamics and tire pressure? So I went out to the wind tunnel in 2015, it was, and uh, we were there and we were looking at a number of different things. And what I quickly realized was that when you are inflating a tire, you start to notice things when you remove the pump head. So depending on the pump that you have, when you if it's locked onto the, the Presta valve, 
when you open that line, you can get a, you'll hear like a, a hiss or a shot. And what that means is that most of the times it's a line loss, so air is coming out of the line. But what the most standard way to remove a pump head is to basically wiggle the pump head to get it off. And what can happen in that situation is you are bumping the, the actual valve core and you are losing pressure in there. So the way that valves are historically removed uh, creates a loss. And we had at the time, we had a, a, a tire pressure gauge that was in the wind tunnel. We brought a, a, a gauge that we made specifically from a company called Ashcroft. And it was a very, very accurate gauge. We'll talk about gauge accuracy here in a little bit, but just for now, just know that it was a very, very accurate gauge. And what we noticed was that what we were seeing that was uh, from what we saw on the pump to what we were getting uh, out of the actual measurement from this gauge was about a five PSI difference. And, and that was just because we were bumping this valve core when we were removing the actual pump head. So that was like a, that's a big deal. So you may think that you have like 80 PSI in there, but you've dropped down to something like 75. So what we did to overcome that problem was we basically had a way to bleed val uh, air off of uh, this, this really high pressure gauge. And we were, had a very accurate way to take it off so that we weren't losing that pressure. So that, that kind of solved that, but it was really impractical for the real world because the gauge was super expensive and the, the setup that we had just didn't really make a lot of sense. Well, fast forward a few years later, uh, I started doing research with a friend of mine and uh, a good, an athlete and a super smart guy over at UNLV called, uh, um, or names, not called, named uh, John Mercer. Uh, he's a phenomenal athlete, very keen guy, and he and, and Ted uh, Girard came out. They've been on the podcast a couple times, and uh, John and I really led the charge on that, and we had gotten a sensor from a group called... Um, Aerolab. Uh, Aerolab's been on our podcast as well. And when we first started working with Aerolab, we were in one of their beta groups and they have this on-road sensor. It allows you to measure CDA and CRR, but their, their main focus was looking at CRR. And when I contacted uh, Kelly and Chris over there years ago, the whole idea was that we were going to be wanting to measure CRR. And they were like, well, why would you want to do that? And so I actually flew up to Calgary. Um, my wife and I, we flew up and we spent some time up there. We went around the velodrome. We did some things. We kind of improved like this base model where we could kind of work backwards and uh, and solve for CRR. So we had a, a sensor that we had for, gosh, it must have been close to two years. Um, but it really took John and I about 18 months to really refine this protocol of on-road testing to figure out how we could accurately measure um, rolling resistance on the road. And throughout that process, one of the things that we learned when you're measuring on-road rolling resistance is it is just, number one, it's incredibly difficult to do. The number of things you have to measure, you have to stay extremely still on the bike. You can't move. And one of the, the parameters that you have to set is tire pressure and it has to be extremely accurate. So what we did was we created this uh, system that we would, you know, overinflate. We had a, a way to bleed and we had a way to measure. Um, and we were getting pretty, pretty good results um, from that. But what we noticed is if, if we, our PSIs were off, um, we were seeing spikes. We were noticing um, that the impedance breakpoint uh, was something that, you know, we, we'd heard about it. We had seen it. And the guys that, you know, from uh, Tom Manholt was one of the original guys that did a lot of work on that. Josh, who's been on the podcast as well. Both Tom and, J and Josh uh, Portner have been on the podcast. 
And um, we were seeing some of the things. And one of the things that we learned at that throughout that time is we did some more testing is we actually found that as you change your velocity um, as a cyclist, that impedance breakpoint moves. And what we, again, what we saw is that tire pressure, again, was, was very important to be able to manage that impedance breakpoint uh, to keep your rolling resistance low. If you're wondering what I mean by impedance breakpoint, uh, we have a whole episode on rolling resistance and, and stuff like that. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, but basically the quick version is, is as you increase your tire pressure, your rolling resistance declines until a point where it basically, there's too much pressure in the tire and you start to bounce over the small uh, bumps that you, and surface imperfections in the road. And when that happens, a lot of the energy that you're putting into the pedals, the watts that you're putting into the pedals are no longer moving your full forward, but they're actually moving you up and down as you bounce down the road. So that's what's called the impedance breakpoint. And when you hit that, your tire pressure spikes very quickly. So you're, you're actually better to be a little lower in tire pressure before that impedance breakpoint than you are to be higher because if you're higher, you have a, a ton of loss versus little loss being too low. It's one of the big reasons that we have our tire pressure charts uh, for all of our products and all different wheel sizes is because we are trying to get you to a place, uh, depending on your road and surface conditions, where you are below that impedance breakpoint. So after working with John uh, for, for uh, like I say, 18 months to refine this protocol, we started doing more work um, and we started studying vibration, looking at a lot of things regarding vibration. And again, we, we came to this same... Uh, question of tire pressure was how important was that regarding vibration? And what we were specifically studying at the time was we were looking at how a natural frequency in a wheel um, was impacted by the tire pressure that we had. So could we see things, certain things with impedance breakpoints around vibration in a wheel? And what we're noticing, actually still doing some work on that, but we noticed that that is possible. We can start to see that, which is very cool. But tire pressure, again, uh, had a huge role in that. Um, when we did all of the wind tunnel work for the new, uh, AS line, which, which came out a couple of years back in our gravel wheel line, we took out our, our fancy, uh, tire pressure gauge again to the wind tunnel. And what we had done and had created was sort of this special, um, ball valve system. It was a brass ball valve that was allowing us to lock these tire pressures. And we originally used that system when we were taking tire measurements. So we did a very large study years ago as well to understand how tires react to different tire pressures. So there's been this sort of belief that tires, as you increase tire pressure, they get wider and they get taller. Well, the truth is, is they get wider, but they don't really get taller at all. They kind of stay at the same height. And so your tire will generally grow. We studied, I think, gosh, it was close to 25 or 30 different tires. And we took hundreds and hundreds of measurements on each one of them at a very incremental PSIs. So again, this, this bleed valve or the ball valve system was, was used for that. But when we took it to the wind tunnel, we started doing some on-road testing with this brass valve system is we were just getting such crazy uh, oscillations because the brass was too heavy and we had to actually get rid of it. We actually broke one of the things in the wind tunnel, which ended up not being too fun, but we, we ended up getting it fixed. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was a kind of a a fun, <laughs> not fun, but you know what I mean. It was just an interesting thing, a story to story to tell. So fast forward, um, I would say to about almost about a year ago now. I was uh, working with John, and we were doing some stuff, and he was talking to me, and he came to me, and he said, "I have this sort of this frustration." He said, 
I've been going to races and I'm really frustrated with the fact that when I get there, I don't have a really good way to measure tire pressure at a race in a transition. And John knew working with me that, you know, how important tire pressure was. I mean, he was the other pretty much the other half of my team. I always consider how, how valuable he was in this research. And, um, he said, you know, you get to a race and you either have a mini pump and you don't have a gauge at all, or you take a floor pump, but if you take it, it's a total pain to take, especially if you're traveling or you get a floor pump that's at the in transition and you're lucky if the gauge works, let alone if it's going to be accurate or not. And he just said, I, I just feel like I'm just giving up so much. I, I don't feel like I can set an accurate tire pressure. And he's like, I wonder why they don't have anything or could you make something that would basically allow you to have a really accurate tire pressure to race. And I got thinking about it. I spent some time and he and I talked about some things and I just kind of got obsessed with this idea of this product. And it, like I say, it, uh, we, what we're calling is calling it modular inflation. So let's, let's talk through, you know, exactly what it is and how it works and, and why it allows you to set an accurate tire pressure versus another pump not. So like, as I mentioned earlier, I said that most pumps are accurate to about that plus or minus nine PSI. So the first thing that you have to understand about pumps, which totally blew me away. I learned this years ago when I was doing a lot of stuff in the wind tunnel and you just think what you read on a pump is accurate, but it's not. So gauges have something that's called a, a percent of span, which is basically what, what accuracy it maintains over the, the range of the gauge or the span of the gauge. So let's say you have a floor pump and it goes from zero to 300 PSI, which is not uncommon. You know, some, some pumps are maybe go up to 250, some might go, go up to 200, but generally they're, they have a pretty large span on that gauge. The percent of span is something that is uh, a number. So let's call it 3%, which is actually very common for a, like a standard floor pump it means that it's going to be 3% of the, of the total span value, that's what its accuracy is. So how do I get to that nine? So you take 3% and you multiply that by the 300 PSI, which gives you nine PSI. So wherever it is on that range, it's basically meaning that it's only accurate to that plus or minus nine PSI, which is a, which a drift of the total drift of like 18 PSI, which is, which is huge. So when you start to look at gauges and you really start to understand how they work, uh, you quickly realize that your gauge is really the, the Achilles heel or the, the weakest link in the chain. And so you really need to have a gauge that is extremely accurate, which is why we had that Ashcroft gauge that we used in the wind tunnel. And, and for a lot of our on-road testing was because it was just so accurate. So I reached out to Ashcroft and I had a large or a long conversation with them. I was trying to explain to them what we wanted from a product. And we really spent some time trying to find a gauge that worked for us. And we actually created a special um, span. So in cycling, what you know, or we know is that for pretty much all cycling applications, unless you're doing something very specific, like a, a track event or something where you can get away with really high PSIs because the, the actual track is so smooth, um, 120 PSI these days is pretty much the highest you're going to get uh, and that would be a very unique situation. So we had them design a, a specialty gauge that has a span that goes from zero to hundred PSI. And then we really pushed them on the percent of span. And what we came up with was a 1% uh, percent of span accuracy. So that means that this air gauge is accurate to plus or minus 1.2 PSI. So if you were trying to set your tire pressure now at 80, 
it could be 78.8 psi or it might be 81.2 um and that would be the biggest swing that you would have what we know is that by setting your tire pressure using our tire pressure charts and we're gonna um well, we can we'll have some of the, the show notes there for those tire pressure charts as well what we know is that if we're generally always kind of recommending people experiment or play in that area so you may start at that you may drop a little bit um and you can you can really if you really want to test you can do that but that 1.2 uh, plus or minus 1.2 psi is really putting you in a very safe space at most if you were actually on your impedance breakpoint which we know we're trying to put you below that with those tire pressure charts you may be losing a watt maybe 1.2 watts which is a lot different than that that nine it's it, it's like you're actually on target versus being so blind with that, that plus or minus nine psi um, that it's just very difficult to find the cool thing about this product is it's it's got the gauge and then it has two hoses that come off on a T. Um, you, if you head out to our site now, you can see it. It's all over the website. Yeah, you can actually pre-order it today. We'll talk more about that in here in a few minutes. But um, there are two ends. And what we did was we wanted it to be able to be used with any pump. Uh, it could be a mini pump at a race, a, a whatever random floor pump you want it. Uh, and what it does is let's, let's look at the mini pump uh, as a first example. So let's say you're traveling to a race. The flow air gauge, it packs up into a small um, uh, bag that it's going to come in. And what you have on one end is you have a removable core um, valve with just a, a standard press to fitting. And so you can connect your mini pump to that. On the other end of the T, we have another hose that comes off. And we've custom designed another product that's also going to be available for sale if you want to buy it for your own pump or any other application. It's called something called a flow locking chuck. Um, what is the flow locking chuck? Basically, it is a all metal and there's a rubber gasket in there that allows you to use a dial system to basically lock onto a Presta valve. And it's got a very cool grip. Uh, it's like a trigger grip. I'll talk about why we use the trigger grip here in a few minutes. Um, but basically, once it's locked on, you can use your mini pump and that gauge that sits in the middle that comes off that T uh, gives you that extremely accurate reading for your tire pressure. Let's say you have a floor pump at home. Uh, let's say you didn't know that there is this crazy span on most pumps or you don't want to spend a crazy huge amount on you know pumps that are... There are higher accuracy pumps, but they're extremely expensive. Some of them are up over $500. And so if you want to just use a regular floor pump that you pick up at a you know for a decent price, you can connect that floor pump to the flow air gauge and you just ignore the gauge that's on the pump and you just read the, the gauge that's on the flow air gauge. You just completely bypass that one that's on your pump. Or if you get to transition, say you're not tra traveling with a pump at all uh, and you find a floor pump there, well, you just connect that and you use the air gauge. It packs really well. And so you can see what your tire pressure is. Let's talk a little bit more about the idea of losing one watt for every one PSI that you're overinflated. Um, that's, that's a rule of thumb that we're coming up with. So, when I say rule of thumb, we're using that because it is something that what we look at from a all the data that we've collected, that seems to be sort of what the average is. Now, every situation in every rider and every pavement type and every tire and every rim width, it all has an impact. And it goes back to the complexity that I spoke about earlier with... The, all the measurements that John and I took when we were studying on-road rolling resistance. So knowing that when you, if the surface road of the road changes and how the surface um, 
if it's either very smooth or if it's medium or if it's rough, knowing that the temperature and then the actual of the air versus the temperature um, of what the actual pavement is. So you may have maybe 32 degrees outside. Um, so you know that it's technically freezing, but you may also have a very sunny day. And so the surface temperature of the road can actually be higher because of radiation. There's so many different elements that, that, that come into play. Um, and so it's a rule of thumb. So if somebody's listening to this and you're thinking, well, where do they come up with that number? It's based on all of the data and everything that we've taken over the years to come up with, with that rule of thumb. It's no different than an aerodynamic rule of thumb. So if you're looking at aerodynamics and you want to say, you know, how much of a time savings does five watts give me? You can say for every five watts, you're going to go 0.5 seconds per kilometer faster. So over a full distance race, it's easy to do that math. Um, and so again, that's just what our rule of thumb is for this based on the data. So if you have questions about it, um, feel free to ask. Back to the flow locking chuck for a minute. One thing, like I say, is we talked earlier about this difficulty removing a, a, a chuck head after it's been, the air's been uh, placed in the tire. We came up with this system. So it's got a dial system on the back. So basically as you place it over the valve, you turn the dial and what it does is it compresses this rubber gasket that's on the inside and you can custom lock it basically to the size of the Presta valve. Now, most Presta valves are very similar in size. That is true. Um, some are different. Every, there's different manufacturers. Some, some of them, uh, you may have a core that comes out. So there's some options there to allow you to sort of have this precision lock. Over time as well, a lot of these gaskets, they can wear some. So what happens is, is there are options out there that some of them have levers. Some of them have, um, so the ones that don't have anything that are just basically chucks that go over, they're horrible. They leak like crazy. It's basically, you have to hold it with one hand. You have to use, try to one hand pump it. It's just, it doesn't work. Some of them have levers and those can be, those can be good. Um, generally they can be expensive, but they don't allow you to have, a lot of them don't allow you to have like a precision lock. So you can tighten it down as, as things change or if you have a different size. So the, again, this, this product is really designed because it was, there was a frustration and we really couldn't find something that we liked. The plastic options, those, those again can work, but they do tend to break easily because they're plastic and they don't last for a, a long time. You can't replace any of the parts. You have to replace like generally the whole pump. What's great about the flow locking chuck is that every part is replaceable. Um, it's got a standard Schrader uh, threading on the actual pipe that comes off. So you can put it on any pump that has a, a Schrader fitting and it, uh, it'll work with, like I say, with any of those. When you get to the point where you actually want to remove it, once you take, turn the dial back to the, take the, the grip off of the, the Presta core, there's an extension that comes out of the top that allows you to wrap uh, like your uh, pointer finger around it and then your other fingers around the, the actual pipe that comes off. And we're calling it like a trigger grip because it allows you to basically grab it and pull it straight away from the valve. So you, it prevents you from having to wiggle it. And what that does is it gives you a really clean exit. So you lock in that tire pressure that you see on the flow air gauge. So it's, um, while most of this stuff is, is I guess, simple after you think about it, it took us some time to, to get these parts and these, these products made. And we're just seeing uh, the initial use and the initial people that we've seen use it. They're, they're really enjoying uh, and loving the product because um, it, it's, it's easy to use. The other thing that we noticed, and a lot of times, like I've said, when I've done a lot of on-road testing, is that to set an accurate tire pressure with a pump is very difficult because if you're 
halfway through, you know, pushing the pump down. You may think that you're going to be right at 80, but you actually overshoot or some, or it's, it's really difficult to fine tune it. So we've always in, in when we set very accurate tire pressures, or pressures we have a, a, a way to bleed air out because if you overinflate, you can bleed really easily. So what's really convenient about the flow air gauge is that that press the valve, that removable core that sits at the end, when you remove your pump from the end of the flow air gauge, it's still connected to the tube that goes into the, into the tire or the tubeless valve that goes into the tire. So the pressure is, it's still pressurizing that line because that removable core and that valve core that's there is, is locked shut. That's how they work. So what we do is you overinflate on the, with the pump that you're using. And then as you remove that pump and you're still locked onto the wheel, you can basically feather with like by flicking the core down to the exact pressure that you need. The flow air gauge, the dial itself is uh, is a, a, a analog gauge. We did not go with a digital gauge for a few reasons. Number one, the digital gauges are just ridiculously expensive. Um, they're so expensive that it would have probably doubled or maybe even tripled the cost of the product, which is crazy. Um, and then well, the other thing is, is that if you are in transition or you're away and you're setting a tire pressure and it has a battery and it dies well that sucks now you're in panic mode trying to figure out how to set your tire pressure or get that and a dial like the one that we have doesn't need batteries it works all the time and it's uh, the precision on it you can see easily the the value so it uh, it works it works really really well this is a product too we're also really excited about it's going to be the first product that's we for flow that's ever been made in america um, the Ashcroft gauges come right from here. We have a hose that is on it. It's a blue hose, which is super cool. Uh, you can see cracks and things like that easily if the, if the hose ever does crack. Um, and it's made by Continental. So Continental is, everybody knows Continental. They're a massive tire manufacturer. They also make hoses like, uh, that we have here. It's a great hose. Um, all the parts on this, there's no plastic at all. Uh, everything is either made of brass for fittings we're using um, some aluminum for some custom parts, and it's just extremely durable. We use a standard hose clamp um, that allows you, again, if you're somewhere and something happens to this, it's easily serviceable. We have all the parts here, but most of the things that you need or could need, you could find uh, in a local hardware shop or something like that that would allow you to service this in the field if you needed to. And that was the purpose of it. Number one, all the parts are extremely durable and they should last for an incredibly long time. But again, it's something that if you need to fix it, we don't want it to, that you have to replace the whole thing. We're obviously, if you know anything about flow uh, on the environmental front, we are very uh, adamant about that. We have all our materials for boxes are recycled, no plastic in any of our containers. Um, and so again, if, if we can rebuild something as opposed to replacing the whole thing, that's something that we're, that we're trying to do, which is another big reason why the flow air gauge is, um, is built the way it is built. So if you are interested in the flow air gauge, it's actually going on pre-order today. Uh, we are planning to ship these probably late April, early May. Uh, we have a few of the parts again, they're all under production right now. And that's looking like what our, our lead time is going to be on those, on the flow air gauge. It's going to retail for $199, but you guys are podcast listeners. You've been here for a long time. And we have our uh, 20% off code, which is podcast, all caps. If you're looking at getting it, you can actually get this thing for 159 and change. So super cool product. Hope you guys like it as much as we do. Again, we appreciate you guys being listeners. Thank you so much. 
uh, for being here, sticking with us. And everybody stay safe out there and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Faster. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Leave a review or teach a friend what you learned today. For more great episodes on getting faster, subscribe to this podcast. While you're on your next ride, be kind to one another and ride safe.